Happy Monday, and welcome to a very special sneak preview. Yesterday was the 93rd Academy Awards, and this is our post-Oscars recap show. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And today we'll be discussing the ceremony in detail, including our thoughts on the winners and losers. Sure to be a fun, in-depth look at Hollywood's biggest night. In addition, we'll talk a bit about Netflix's new space drama, Stowaway, which was fairly underwhelming. If you've come looking for Mortal Kombat, I'm afraid you'll have to wait a week, as that will be next Monday's show. Before we get into the Oscars, let's take a look at what else happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, trailer time. We have three trailers to talk about today. First up, Oxygen, a French sci-fi thriller directed by Alexandre Aha and starring Melanie Laurent, set for Netflix release on May 12th. You get a chance to see this trailer? No, I did not. This is the only one of the three I have not seen. What do you think, though? I'm intrigued. Um, AHA has done some dark shit that seems very uh, kind of light for him. Uh, I'm a big fan of Melanie Laurent, mm. so we'll see. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Me- Melanie is the name that kind of has me. Okay, I'll, I'll watch this other way. Yeah, me too. Next up, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga return as Ed and Lorraine Warren as they investigate a murder where the killer claims he was possessed by the devil at the time, based on a true story. Set for theater and HBO Max release on June 4th. Could not be more excited. Very psyched about this. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, I've been able to speak about my love. We both have about James Wan, Conjuring, and that whole world. Uh, to see those two is yeah, I mean, it gets it gets me really excited, really jazzed up to see Farmiga and Wilson specifically because those two, they don't make Ed and Lorraine Warren. They 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 don't they don't do too much to make to to make them seem like there's one side, right? Where we're kind of it's kind of neutral. They're just these people vehicles for movies, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm okay with that. You know, if you want a documentary, there's stuff on YouTube about them, yeah. but for like a cinematic world and horror. I, I love those two and how they kind of portray them. Yeah, these aren't biopics. These mm-hmm. are, you yeah. know, allegedly true stories. Take it with a grain of salt. Exactly. I mean, this is a literally a story where a guy claimed, you know, the devil possessed me and I killed somebody. Yeah. But the cool thing is, it's, it's, it's one of the rare, I think maybe the only instance where demonic possession has been entered into court record. Mm. So yes. that's exciting. And I am a little... A little hesitant because this is the only Conjuring film not directed by James Wan. Yes, and that definitely scares you. Yeah, because yeah. he's clearly the one that understands kind of the scale of it, the scope, the all, all the little things. He he totally understands. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm excited regardless. We definitely got a show planned for this one. Yeah, yeah, that's in June. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be here for that. Oh yeah. And finally, Marvel has released the first teaser for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Plot details are being kept under wraps, but the film is set for release on September 3rd after getting pushed due to COVID, and this looks fucking spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I don't don't typically watch Marvel trailers, right? Because you kind of know, especially with the the, the MCU and what they've built, you're just kind of, I was on board no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I I I didn't avoid the Infinity War trailer, but I wasn't like, I have to see this. I, I know something crazy's coming. With this one, the trailer's kind of needed to give you that, just that initial image, that initial kind of, oh, all right. And I was I was blown away by the by this trailer. I, I mean, it looks like it's going to have a bunch of different genres in it. And Marvel, 
that's what they've got against all, all the other giant corporations, Disney and them. They understand letting their filmmakers make unique films each time. Well, and really utilizing all the characters at their yes. disposal. I mean, remember when Marvel, when the MCU first started, Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, Thor, these were B-list characters. These weren't, you know, Marvel's best and well-known. That was Spider-Man and the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. But the MCU turned these guys into the A-listers. Yes. It made a Guardians of the Galaxy worldwide recognizable. And now it's going to do the same thing for Shang-Chi and the Eternals. Exactly. It's so, I'm so excited. I'm especially excited because there's rumors that we're going to meet the real Mandarin in Shang-Chi. The real mm-hmm. guy who Ben Kingsley's character ripped off okay. and is not happy about it. Oh, man. <laughs> and he's played by Tony Lung, who's, you know, a John Woo guy, classic uh, Chinese actor. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. Amped. <laughs> Amped for this one. Yeah, for sure. Whereas, like, a trailer, The Conjuring one, you have your questions about it with James Wan not being in the chair. This kind of trailer just excites me. It just, I don't have questions. I'm just, yeah, let, let me see this film. Oh, yeah. Marvel's fucking Enter the Dragon. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some 13 Assassins type shit going on. Yeah. yeah, this is, yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, so that's all for trailers. Let's talk about some random movie news I read about. So okay. this is ridiculous. Vin Diesel is going to star in and produce a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Because of course he is. That's yeah. where we're at now in culture. Yeah. After, uh, of course, after Fast and Furious, this is of course where he'd go. Did, did you see Hugh Jackman's Real Steel back in 2011? Yes, yes, I did. Isn't that exactly that a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, thanks. This is ridiculous. A Downton Abbey sequel has been confirmed for Christmas 2021. Production started last week with the original cast returning once again. And uh, I never saw Downton Abbey, but I know it had its fan base. Yeah. Downton Abbey definitely has has a fan base. I'm not I'm not a part of it either. Nor do I have an itch to become a part of it. I enjoyed Gosford Park, and it's I've heard it's the oh, same yeah. exact thing. So, well, but Gosford Park is like that. But then you have Altman in the director's chair, who's just a fucking mad genius, you know, and is going to have his own take. Yeah, I, I remember when the first movie came out. I mean, it was already a bitch to get everybody together, and I remember so many people saying like, "This is it. Stop asking me about it." But here we are with another one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, like. Never is not a word in Hollywood. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, Training Day director Anton Fuqua will be helming a remake of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof based on the play by Tennessee Williams. He plans to feature an all-black cast. Um, I know Cat on a Hot Tin Roof was an early Paul Newman film, mm-hmm. but other than that, I know nothing about this story, but I am a huge Anton Fuqua fan, so bring it on. Yeah, and I I love that Fuqua is doing something like this. Um <clears throat> And we were just talking about Never Say Never in Hollywood right here. Who would have thought Antoine Fuqua, the guy who's made the, the, he, the last things he's done is Equalizer, you know, yeah. the Equalizer movies. And for him to kind of do this is very, very interesting. And of course, Training Day is very dear to our heart. And to me, is a masterpiece. It'll be cool to see him take on something like this that he clearly is going to have, again, his own take on. And you, yeah, and you know Denzel Washington's going to be the leading guy in this. He's yeah, he's got <laughs> got to come back around. And maybe the only white guy will be Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. I I personally enjoyed um, Fuqua's Magnificent Seven remake. I thought it was, it was okay. Yeah, kind of forgettable. But then again, so is the original one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I'm, while but while you're watching it, it's entertaining. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, this this excited me. I don't. I'm interested to see what you have to think about this. A Kiss biopic is heading to Netflix. 
Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley will be heavily involved, and the film is currently titled Shout It Out Loud. So we're getting a kiss movie. <laughs> Fantastic. Didn't we get a, uh, uh, I want to say like a year and a half ago, there was that uh, Motley Crue. Yeah. Netflix. The Dirt. Are they going to they're gonna just do, keep doing that with like old bands and shit? Yeah. I'm down. I'm down. I'm okay with that. Yeah. They all have weird, crazy ass stories of how they met and how they, you know, how their tours went and the drugs and the sex. There's no clean cut rock and roll story. It doesn't no. exist. My, my question would be, what band would you want to see a Netflix film about? Honestly, it was Kiss. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, and this this is funny, but I think I'd choose ACDC. I think. Yeah, I've always wanted to see a kind of origin. An origin movie about them would be cool. I'd love to see... I know that's like one of your favorite bands. It's it's my all-time favorite band. I'd I'd love to see a, you know, the Bon Scott story. Yeah. Call it Highway to Hell or what have you. That would be awesome. Um, I'd love a Sabbath story. Like Ozzy's story. I think that would rock. Uh, I've always wanted a Beatles movie. Like, or like a miniseries chronicling their rise and fall. Yeah, Yeah, and a proper Queen one would be nice as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was, you know, there was all that news about for years that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Freddie Mercury and do the do the Queen movie the right way. That's still a dream of mine (laughs) to to see that film. I like Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's got problems. It It, left so much to be desired, especially uh, if you are uh, a big Queen fan. Yeah, it left a lot to be to be desired. However, I do really love Rocket Man. Okay, see, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good biopic. That I think, yeah, over time is going to get forgotten. That that seems to happen to a lot of the good music movies, though. Yeah, well, you know, maybe the Kiss biopic will be so revolutionary. Not only does it jumpstart sales of the Kiss casket, <laughs> it gets people talking about Kiss again. Yeah, and the first time I really dug into Kiss uh, was when I saw... Uh, shit, what's it called? Role Models. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Sean William Scott character is explaining, like you pull the trigger on my love gun. He's like, the gun is his dick. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that. Cause that, that movie came out, what? 2008. Eight, yeah. Eight. So yeah, I was, I was 13 and <laughs> I was like, I need to know more about kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see them in concert a couple years ago. Um, crazy. I took my cousin Ryan and it was a blast. It was like their fourth or fifth farewell tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. It was such a badass show. They opened with Detroit rock city mm. and it was just, mind-blowing it was awesome and uh it was funny seeing so many different age groups there yeah like, there was yeah. a kid sitting next to me she was like 10 12 years old very timid kid and then as soon as kiss start, like started up she's screaming lick it up and it's yeah. like fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious so good so i'm a, I'm a big kiss fan i'm looking forward to this right on. <laughs> in addition disney has announced a biopic of muppet creator jim henson currently titled muppet man i think they could work on that the film is being produced by his daughter, Lisa Henson, and uh, I'm, I, I like this. I, I think Jim Henson's a really interesting guy. I'd like to see, like, you know, the story of the Muppets. Yeah, and this is, from what I've read, maybe I'm wrong, is it going to be a Disney Plus? Probably, yeah. Uh, and I'd like to speak on that. I think, I think Disney Plus has done some, like, really, really interesting things on their service that I'll, I'll get on there because, as you know, I have a two-year-old daughter, and sometimes I'll get lost, and they're just kind of looking through some of their stuff. And some of the original things they're doing, like documentaries and whatnot, are, are, are quite fascinating ideas. And I think this is one of them. And it, it just, it, this streaming service has so much to offer for someone who's young, who's just trying to get involved and interested in film. Even though, even though I don't love every title, 
I'm very grateful for that place, how cheap it is. And the amount of just amount of shit they have. Yeah. No matter what kind of fan you are, you, you really can find some somewhere to go. And that's that's really cool that we have that. And it's still a really new streaming service, really. My only gripe with it is, you know, the, when they offer new yeah. films for 30 bucks a pop, that's the shit I can't tolerate. Yeah, so it's it's Mulan and Raya. Those are the two that just make no sense to me. Well, they're also doing it with Cruella and Black Widow. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I guess that shows my fandom. Like, I was not willing to pay the 30 for Mulan or Raya, but I'm thinking about it for Cruella because that looks so damn good. But I think I'll just go see it in theaters. Yeah, at this point, you know, we're vaccinated. So, yeah, yeah. fuck it. Let's go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. It's cheaper. Makes that, makes that decision. Now, now, the thing about that is the $30, I have talked to, uh, there, there's one friend I have and they have, they have two children and they're, they, they think that they spend less money by spending that $30 than if they were to take the whole family out and do a whole bit and get snacks, get all that. So they're actually kind of grateful for the $30, like yeah. sort of, they look at it as like a bundle. We're all watching it together. I get that. I understand that. That makes sense. But Disney is a yeah. multi-billion yeah. dollar corporation they do not need the 30 bucks no. this could easily be 10 yeah it shouldn't be on families to be like oh yeah oh, it should be it's just free this is you already pay for it this is straight <laughs> up taking advantage of families yeah ex- exactly and that's yeah. what theaters have been doing forever yeah <laughs> and now streaming services are are, are yeah. and exclusively disney plus they know what they're doing but personally uh, for me it's 30 dollar rental versus you know 10 dollar ticket <laughs> yeah same exactly yeah normally i'm paying for myself to go uh now, now my girlfriend is also vaccinated. And is definitely interested in trying to go see something, and it's just more about there's not a lot of great movies out right now. So we're kind of waiting for some more cool shit, which would be Black Widow, Eternals, Corella. You know those movies yeah. that I want to see with my girlfriend. You know we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Jim Henson biopic on the on the uh, road. We'll see. Dear white people, creator Justin Simeon has been hired by Disney to helm a remake of the Haunted Mansion. Uh, why? <laughs> Wasn't that in like 2004? Yeah, Eddie Murphy. I, yeah. I remember that as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I watched it a couple years ago and did not like it at all. No, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. No, it's, Pirates of the Caribbean was a fluke. It was awesome because of, you know, Gore Verbinski and Depp and Bloom and Knightley and Rush. But Haunted Mansion bombed. Tomorrowland bombed. Jungle Cruise is gonna bomb, I guarantee you. Why do they keep making movies out of their rides? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good on this. Did you ever uh, the movie Dear White People or the show? Did you ever watch? It? I have not. I've just seen the film. That's all I've seen. Decent. Uh, German actor Thomas Kretschmann has joined the cast of Indiana Jones Five. Marvel fans may remember him as Baron von Strucker in mm-hmm. Avengers: Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and as Eli Damaskinos in Blade Two. For you old school fans, fuck! I can't wait for this movie. <laughs> I cannot wait for Indiana Jones Five. Yeah. This cast is so cool. I would bet even money he's either playing an old Nazi or a communist. <laughs> yes, 100%. That's just, you know... I'm just ready for Mads Mikkelsen, man. Yeah. It, oh, Jesus. He's, he is perfect for any franchise that's trying to snag up a solid guy who can play any, can do anything. He's... Mads. A Mads. fantastic fucking Mads actor. is the guy. The fact that Mads wasn't up last night... For best actor. You'll see. You'll see when you watch another round. <laughs> Crazy. He's one of the best guys we have working right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, keeping that Marvel theme, Russell Crowe, and I don't think he was supposed to do this, 
has announced that the character he is playing in Thor, Love and Thunder is, in fact, Zeus, king of the Greek gods. Jesus. So he let this slip in an interview, and I don't think he was supposed to say this, but the Greek gods are coming to the Marvel Universe with Crow playing Zeus. So Thor 4 is shaping up to be fucking crazy. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see Hercules coming in the near future. Marvel fans will know him. It's a longtime Avenger. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> I mean, at this point, are you surprised when they just snag up another Oscar winning actor? No, <laughs> they just keep getting more and more talent. I just love that Crow doesn't give a fuck about NDAs or Marvel secrecy clause. Or just he's just like, yeah, I'm Zeus. <laughs> I'm God, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see my new movie Unhinged? <laughs> I did, actually. It was good. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> Finally, following the success of Disney Plus's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Marvel has announced they've secretly had a Captain America 4 in the works with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan set to star. The showrunner, Malcolm Spellman, will co-write the script. And this was just icing on the fucking cake. This is so cool. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. Was, this was the end game, clearly. Uh, and for those of you who may not have seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet, um, it's pretty badass. Uh, a little underwhelming for me, but that was just my incredibly high expectation problem. Yeah, whereas whereas my expectations are a little not lower, but they're I, I'm I'm just not as uh as big of a fan. Yeah. So it's not gonna hurt me if the product is is poor. Like the way people were kind of upset with WandaVision, I was like, whatever. It was entertaining, it was cool. Catherine Hahn was the shit, you know. And that's kinda how I went with it. This this show to me was like quite a bit better than WandaVision. And it it's a show. It's a fucking show. You know, and, you know, in the in the finale. Um, which happened just on on Friday, it it has a couple of scenes where you're like, this is better than some of the shit in Civil War. Some of the some of the sequences, some of the directing, some of the 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 production design is off the charts. And they they just the, the power they have in creating a conversation throughout each week for six weeks about the same show. People talk about this nonstop more than they give a shit about the seven, eight movies that are up for best picture. You know, <laughs> they really, they really rather talk about this. Yeah. And I, I understand. I understand. Uh, it's not, not, not totally for me, but, but I get it. My biggest issue with it as a fan is, and WandaVision, they both did this is they kept promising game changers. Yeah. They kept like teasing things that were going to blow our minds and nothing. And we never got them. Yeah, no, no, and we didn't. I feel like that's Marvel fucking with us and I don't appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. But I the, the Julia Louise Dreyfus and Wyatt Russell tandem when she said like US agent, you're just like, oh fuck, man. You guys do this every time. You just you put a smile on our faces, like, oh, y'all are gonna keep y'all are just gonna keep going. Yeah. Keep making amazing content. And even if it's like you said, it doesn't doesn't meet this certain bar that they've set with like Infinity War and Endgame. It's still good, and that's that's on me, you know. That's, <laughs> well, and that's on them because yeah. they set the bar so goddamn high. I mean, those are those are both almost perfect movies, and so when that just happened a couple years ago, of course we're going to be like, hey, bring bring the noise. Well, I have a really good feeling about Loki. I feel like oh. that's going to open doors oh. we've never even dreamed of. So and, and, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, Tom, Tom has been waiting for this moment. Yeah. He's been waiting. He he deserves this moment. I think to just shine the same way Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie just showed us for six weeks straight. Yeah, we can we can kind of carry whatever. But they all love this job security. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, if you can get it, yeah. I, you get in with Marvel, you're set for life. I especially think about a guy like Anthony Mackie, man. I mean, it's been a staple of his career, and then he's able to go do little roles throughout, in between, 
for him. Well, now he gets to be fucking Captain America. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. He gets the, to be a, an icon. That that stuff at the end, you know, I'll admit I was I was crying when I, when he takes Isaiah Bradley to the museum. I was like, this is so fucking cool because they've they've just never done this. They've never done that stuff where it's like, let's talk about what it would be like to be a black superhero. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let Anthony Mackie do it because he's the best one we got. He's one of the best actors on the whole team. He's amazing. It was, I was very impressed with Marvel's willingness to go to, to go to that place. Yeah. And I, I've always been a fan of Carl Lumley. Mm-hmm. So getting to see him just be, you know, America's first black superhero was fantastic. Very cool. I wish he'd been utilized more. It needed more episodes, I think. I think a lot of stuff was rushed towards the end. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I, I did enjoy it. Overall, yes. And, and White Russell, welcome to the team. You Fuck. are going to rule in some of these movies. God. He is so good. What a perfect evil Captain America. Yeah. Just, I love, there was this, um, there was this YouTube comment I read that said, Steve Rogers is who America wants to be. John Walker is who America is. And yeah. that yeah. was fucking yeah. brilliant. Yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's spot on. Yeah. Oh, just like little things about like, you know, Captain America saying in, like another country that somebody doesn't have jurisdiction and like, you don't have fucking jurisdiction. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. We think we're, you know, king of the fucking world, but yeah. Wyatt Russell. Fantastic. There's moments like the way he holds himself sometimes where I'm like, that's Kurt right there. Holy shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. As much as like, I'm happy for him to be in this, like Wyatt Russell has, has some like serious juice as an actor. I, I cannot wait for him to lead like an action movie because then we'll see. His father. Yeah, we'll see the DNA. You ever it's seen uh, Overlord? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, there you go. Stuff like that. <laughs> He's in a... Have you seen Shimmer Lake? He has a real creepy role in that. I haven't seen that. Um, and, then, and of course, I, I would be silly to not mention Everybody Wants Some. I mean, <laughs> what he's doing in that movie is one of the funniest roles of the past decade for me. He, he just crushes it. Right on. Yeah, I'm psyched. You know, Kurt got his Marvel due. Now Wyatt gets his. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is cool. Oh, so before we get into the Oscars, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Stowaway. Okay. Uh, Netflix's latest space drama, an ongoing, endless stream of space dramas that all tend to bleed together. And I'm really tired of this subgenre. You know, Ad Astra, Voyagers, Gravity, Passengers. It's the same movie with a little tweak every time. It's always, you know, Earth is in danger and we got to go find another way. And it's just, I'm tired of this. And it's always so lazy. And this movie just criminally underused Anna Kendrick, uh, Tony Collette, Daniel Dykim, and uh, Shamir Anderson. Like, nobody really gets a moment. They're all kind of just there. Sucks. And there's no, like, the ending is incredibly rushed. The self-sacrifice, you don't feel anything because you've got no time to get to know these people. You just know them as astronaut number one, two, three, four. Yeah. Uh, The whole concept of a guy getting, like, trapped in the life support system is completely insane. The fact that he would even be alive is ridiculous. So I just, I gave it a seven based on the strength of the performances and mostly the production design. But I really found this to be kind of a lazy effort and I think it's just going to get lost in Netflix's endless shuffle. Yeah, that's definitely what it is. Is it, It's like 10 movies a day, it feels like, that they're putting out and you just kind of have to shoot your shot. And that's not, that's not what I, what I like too much. I, I like when a movie has a, has a lifespan has has a way to create a conversation and when there's just movies coming out re- left and right you have to be a Malcolm and Marie or a promising young woman to to be divisive and to make a conversation and that kind of sucks you know 
it doesn't allow movies to breathe and have their time to have, for people to evaluate and have an opinion on. So if you just miss it, you miss it. Yeah. And like, I didn't watch this cause you kind of told me eh, it's pretty dull. And I was like, well, I want to watch the father anyway for the Oscars so that I can have, that was the last best picture nominee I had to see. And I'm, I'm glad I did that because <laughs> Anthony Hopkins won. And I'm glad I got to see the movie that he won for his second, his second Academy Award. God, do you remember when movies like were made for entertainment purposes? Well, yeah, well, uh, that's a whole, we could have a <laughs> nine hour conversation about the fact that the Oscars were last night and there's just, you know, the ratings are inevitably going to be terrible. And there's people who love movies who are used to for the past however many years they've been alive watching movies, going to the theater, they're used to <clears throat> going every weekend or going every other weekend. And then during the fall, they're seeing all these, you know, quote unquote award movies. And then they have, they have a full year to kind of grasp themselves, feel the race naturally, organically. And then they watch the Oscars. Cause, Oh yeah, I saw all of these over time. But with this year, it felt like, Oh fuck. Where are they? Where are all of them? They're all on these different streaming services. And they all got shoved into the last yeah, like two months. Exactly. And it's like, there's no, there's no, unless you're like us when you're, you're just, you're, you're always paying attention to every little thing. I, I just, I, I think it's, it's almost unfair to the just kind of normal average fan because they have no way to get time to appreciate all of these movies. Yeah. And, and, our, 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 you know, the generations above us, my parents, your, your, your parents, your grandparents, they're, they're, they were trained a different way to watch movies. Yeah. They were trained to go to the theater, immerse yourself for two hours, leave, have your opinion on it, and then until you come back again. Now it's like, what am I watching every single night at home? And can I watch two? Can I watch three? You know, yeah. How, can I go to two different streaming services? Damn right you can. You know, that's what we all do. And it, it is a bit dangerous, I think. Uh, you and I are going to kind of eat them up no matter what. But I fear for the, someone who's just trying to kind of pick and choose wisely and not only watch movies, I, I fear for them. And I, I, I feel their pain, you know, uh, it's not easy keeping up with everything. Jesus. Well, I think a big part of like why I mentioned, you know, that movies used to be made for entertainment is I, I think it really is, is that I was not always paying this close attention mm. to everything. I'm actually like, I'm watching fucking everything. Yeah. So a lot of it is not, you know, a lot of films are made, you know, as a social reaction to something. A lot of films are made to make a point. They're not all, you know, fucking Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, really like realizing this for the first time. And I got to say, it's a fucking bummer, but here I am. <laughs> it, it is, it, it is a bummer because you realize you think about a, a film like Stowaway and you think about someone like Tony Collette, who's working on it and you got to think while she's on set, she's like, this ain't special, you know? Yeah. And Cause you got to think that they're human. They're thinking that they're getting paid. So this is their job. They collect a paycheck. So they're going to give it their all, but you got to think sometimes I'm just working with a script that sucks or I'm working with a director who doesn't totally know what he's doing when I have before. I think about those things all the time when I'm watching a movie that seems just kind of average and kind of like, what's the point? Cause yeah, a social reaction, a movie like, I mean, we're going to be talking about, you know, something like Judas and the black Messiah or uh, Charles Chicago seven or, or promising woman. These are very clearly trying to tell you something, yeah. trying to teach you, enlighten you, help you grow in some, some way. And, and that's, that's fantastic. Not, but, but like you said, there's got to be a space for both and for us to appreciate both. Yeah. And I think that's a great segue into the 93rd Academy Awards. Uh, interesting show. It was, you know, directed by Steven Soderbergh who made it kind of a movie. Yeah. Uh, they filmed it in a, like a, a ballroom at, yeah, what's I, it I don't called? know where. Something station. I can't yeah. remember what it's called. And it 
it wasn't the Dolby Theater, so it did not look, you know, as extravagant as it has been in the past. It was very like stripped to the bare bones and still managed to go like 15, 20 minutes over the <laughs> over the time. Yeah. <laughs> not once in my lifetime and probably before that have the Oscars managed to stay in the three hour window. <laughs> it's never happened. It's true. Uh the nominees were kind of, you know, the winners were pretty much all over the place. Everything kind of got a little love. There were some big surprises. Uh, so let's take it. Let's go through them, uh, through the nominees and kind of just bring up some stuff we liked about the show. Uh, documentary short went to Colette. Uh, live action short went to Two Distant Strangers. Yeah, that's on that's on Netflix now. Uh, that's the one starring Joey Bass. It's about 30 minutes. Uh, I watched this. I wasn't. I love Joey Bass. I've seen him live. Love that guy. I've seen him live twice, actually. I love that guy to death. I saw him in Austin at Waterloo Records in 2015. <laughs> and then in 2017, I saw him in Vegas with Logic. Nice. I uh, love, 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 love Joey Bass. Probably my favorite, uh, you know, current rapper right now. He's about the same age as us. And he's got some acting chops. He's great Mr. Robot, uh, season two. He's really effective in that show. Uh, and and he's he carries himself quite well in this in this short but I, I found it to be the short to be a bit redundant in the sense that it didn't have much new to say about some of the issues we have in our culture. Um, it's effective. It's definitely effective. And again, the, the acting's pretty solid, but I, I was looking for something that was going to be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say creative, uh, just different, you know, more unique. Cause I feel like I've seen a lot of shorts, a lot of projects that are uh, about, police brutality about uh, specifically in America. And I think it can be done in a really interesting way and it can be done in a redundant way. And I thought this one was kind of teetering. Well, that's a shame. I, I have not seen any of the short uh, nominees. I just, I don't know. I either can't get a hold of them or I just don't seek them out. I don't know. It's probably me. Yeah. Well, they're very, <laughs> very hard to get to. Uh, Santico's embassy here in San Antonio was doing showings of each one, like in, in segments. So like the animated ones, like an hour and a half, the live action one's like two hours. We were going to do that. Just couldn't find the time. Yeah. Because again, it would, it would have been like a six hour thing. Yeah. <laughs> we saw In the Earth instead and we're disappointed. Yeah, but <laughs> saw, saw another 2021 movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, animated short went to If Anything Happens, I Love You. Uh, and that's the short films. Uh, I do want to point out the music was done by Questlove and it was very bare bones. Again, there was no orchestra, nobody getting played off. Everyone got as much time as they wanted to say whatever they had to say. And some people would not shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you need that little music cue to tell people like, oh, I'm rambling. I should leave. Yeah. Not, <laughs> uh, not when you're Francis McDormand, but yeah. <laughs> and she was very much just like, I got my third statue. Fuck off. Yeah. And just walked out. It was See ya. hilarious. A lot of people were pregaming. Oh yeah, you could for t- sure. <laughs> I would have been too if I would have been yeah. in that weird ass room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, visual effects went to Tenet. Uh, well earned, I think that film's visual effects are it's obviously its strong point, and uh, good for them. Uh, sound best sound ugh, went to Sound of Metal. Yeah. Uh, again, well deserved. Or it's sound, or rather, it's lack of. Yeah. Very well yeah. done. Yeah. Production design went to Mank. Exciting. Uh, that film's recreation of 1930 or 1940s L.A. was phenomenal. I mean, if any, if it was going to win anything, it was going to be production design. Uh, not the only thing it took home, though. Makeup went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, yeah. that was phenomenal. 
Uh, film editing went to Sound of Metal. Great. That film's very well edited. Uh, I know we're kind of breezing through these. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, they're all here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the end. <laughs> uh, best costume design went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was kind of a shock. I thought Mank had that one in the bag. Mm, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, cinematography went to Mank, uh, mm-hmm. beating out Nomadland. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. Eric Messerschmidt. Uh, look out for that guy. He's like in his 30s. So. Mm. <laughs> Look out. And these cinematographers go all over the fucking place. They're, they're, their filmographies are the most interesting in Hollywood. I agree. And actually, the way they just kind of... I'm so tired of cinematography being treated like it's this... Yeah. Just like semi and like kind of technical... Was that Halle Berry? Predi- yes. Uh, it was like, you may not know what cinematography is. Like, we're not children. We get no, it. Oh, yeah, we're not... Yeah, we're not... Uh, what is it, Will Ferrell on uh, SNL? The cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> As Harry Carey. Uh, I don't, that's, yeah, I, I don't treat your audience like idiots because, because the people who are watching care. Yeah, we know what it means. Because yeah. a lot of people did not watch. Again, the ratings are going to just keep dropping every year. I'm the only one in my family who watched the show. Yeah, so, so. it's, so, so yeah, you, you would want there to, you want it to be a safe place for movie fans to be like, this is, this is where we're at. Let's keep the night going and not have to treat one of the categories like it's less than, because that pisses me off. I mean. How many guys, you know, there's a reason a guy like Roger Deakins is who he is. I mean, he's in charge of the camera with a lot of really cool movies. And I think Messerschmitt's going to do the same same kind of thing. I think he's going to be on a lot of cool movies. And it really is that easy to understand. The cinematographer controls the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and, and, um, when you're working, when you're working outside, it's pretty simple. You're working outside. Someone has to know how to use cameras with outdoor lighting and indoor lighting. Usually you have a guy who's, that's his gift, Eric Messerschmidt, and he's the one who's going to make those calls. It's it's pretty important, but it's also pretty simple. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, excuse me. Original song went to Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. I was really hoping that Husevik from Eurovision Song Contest was going to grab this one. <laughs> I just thought it would have been really neat, yeah. but I'm happy for Fight For You. It's the only song of this group that's on my iPod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and her hers just... Uh, just a legend. She's got a really, really cool voice. And that that song, like you said, is the one that people like click on on Spotify. You know, yeah. they're actually going out of their way to, to listen to that one. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. I d- thought it was weird that they did the um, performances of the best song during the red carpet well, pre-show. Yeah, they did. Because <laughs> the show was already three hours and two, uh, ten minutes or whatever. So yeah, they they... they I'm glad they did that. But they could have cut like Questlove's music trivia thing, which was so stupid. Although we did learn a little thing about Glenn Close. Yeah, debut <laughs> school days. Spike Lee. That was cool. That was ridiculous. Like she knew everything about that song. It was crazy. Like the more I learn about Glenn Close, like the more I'm surprised at how successful she really is. How revered because she's such a dork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a someone who's just got. I'm going to learn faster than you. And work harder than you. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's I think like what? Hillbilly Elegy was her ninth nomination. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the same group or was as Peter O'Toole. Yeah. And now she's even deeper in that. Yeah. <laughs> that hole. She's not done. She's not done. She's no. She, hell no. She's not done. Look at her. She'll get yeah. hers. It'll happen. And she was, you know, for, for good luck, she was right next to Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, yeah. Tonight. So maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll uh, come back around. I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> so cool. Kaluuya was having a good time. Yeah. Oh, he had a great night. <laughs> Um, original score went to Soul. 
Uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. No surprise there. That was the favorite and uh, well-deserved. Fantastic score there. Agreed. I love that the Nine Inch Nails guys are Oscar-winning composers now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and have become a essential part to David Fincher's filmography. Yeah. Essential, you know, doing Social Network and Gone Girl, Dragon Tattoo. They were nominated twice tonight. Yeah, for an animated movie and a Fincher movie. Yeah, yeah. very, very cool. And and you, you, as as all three of them were walking up, I was like, "Let Jean Baptiste talk because this could be his only chance." And you two motherfuckers have been here, <laughs> and you're gonna be here more. Uh, so it was really cool to see Baptiste just kind of be a child, yeah. and he was just having fun when he shouted out Miss Shirley, his teacher, and he just laughed. That was probably the most human moment of the night, aside from Franny uh, howling like a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did, I did point out cause it looked funny the way that everyone was standing, uh, Reznor and Ross looked like Batiste bodyguards. Yeah. They looked like, uh, it looked like Mike Milligan and the kitchen brothers from season two of Fargo. <laughs> you got Jean Baptiste is, uh, is Mike Milligan, of course, Boking Woodbine. And then, yeah, the two just standing there quietly. <laughs> uh, we sound like a, uh, prog rock band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, best documentary went to my octopus teacher. Hell and, yeah. uh, I know you were a fan of this one. Yeah, I was. Um, I was actually, a long time ago, before I knew it was going to be up for anything or it had any uh, award kind of momentum, my coworker Beatrice, she's uh, like in her 50s, she recommended this film to me. She said, I know you love movies, but I, she was like, I watch documentaries a lot, and I just thought of you when I was watching it. And anytime someone says that, I'm going to, I'm going to make space to watch something if, it, if, if I'm... I mean, that's a special thing to hear, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I think of each other all the time because we're always talking about movies, but this is someone random that has never really given me a recommendation. And I took it, watched it a couple days later, and I went to work, and I was like, damn, you know, that was really cool. And then I found out my mom watched it, and I kind of had a connection with it with these other these these people. I don't think it's... I think time is better. I've seen time as well. But the other three I have not seen... I don't think it's like a, uh, a, a Oscar-winning documentary from some of the ones I've seen in the past, but it is very effective, very good on Netflix, and will just kind of it, it does exactly what you want a doc to do, teaches you a little bit about about something specific, and then just just kind of gets under your skin, gets under your skin with the the relationship between this man and this 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 sea creature. It's really yeah. cool. Uh, I think you would connect with it a lot, but time to me is like a kind of a kind of more of a life-changing type experience where you're taking a look into something that you, you, is most likely very foreign to a lot of viewers, something that you have not quite gone through, and it, it's fascinating. The documentaries are never really... I watch them, but I'm not running to them. I, I, I find a lot of them to be depressing. For sure. Uh, you know, there's very few documentaries that... I was talking about this while we were watching the show. There's very few documentaries that are just, like, positive and, like, yeah. look what this is about. Most of them are like, can you believe this is happening? <laughs> And how did you not know about this? And I just, I don't have time. I, I, there's, it's so, it's so fucking dark in the world right now. I just, I, understand. I want yeah. some light. I'm looking for some light. But, you know, I mean, maybe I will watch this octopus thing. Yeah, you're looking for some light. So you watch The Father, Mank, uh, Promising Woman. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> These are some dark. No, no, I'm with you. I, we also love, <laughs> we love uh, scripted stuff. Stuff that's written for the screen. And docu- yeah. documentaries are a whole different beast. Uh I'm with you on that. I've, I've seen seen quite a few. One of my favorite movies from the past 10 years is Mind in the Gap, which was up for 
Best Documentary Feature uh, at the 92nd Academy Awards. So there, there's some that, and you know, I know we talked about I Am Not Your Negro on our uh, Beale Street episode on Oscar Sunday, and they have the power. They have power. They have serious, mm-hmm. serious power. But I'm with you. For the most part, it feels like the same kind of tone. I did just watch a documentary for a paper I'm writing in uh, my grad degree, a documentary from 2005 called You're Gonna Miss Me, which tells the story of Texas rock star Rocky Erickson and his just fucked up life that he had to deal with. Um, it was fairly positive just knowing like that he got help. He got the help he needed in the end. So I, I recommend checking that out if you guys want to know about one of Texas's unsung heroes in the uh, rock and roll scene in the 60s. Hell yeah. Uh, animated feature went to Soul, which was not a surprise in the slightest. That's the one we all knew was going to win. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping Onward would snake it out, but that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no, the only way the only way I think that could have happened is if it would have come out after Soul. Yeah, you know what? Maybe. Because it came out like in April. It came out, it came out like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was I remember that was that was a huge sign that COVID is very very real for the movie world. Was that movie was put straight on to Disney Plus after having a small theater you know like yeah. run? And I, I just remember being kind of rocked by that. Like, oh, this is this is really really happening. How come Soul was free, but you made us pay for Mulan Disney? Yeah, What's Soul up with and that? Onward, the better movies. <laughs> yeah, are 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 free, but yeah, Raya and Mulan. Yeah, was that Pixar stepping in and being like, be cool? Yeah, Pete, Pete Doctor's <laughs> like, it's for the people, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, international feature went to another round. Uh, Easy does it. Next week's uh, Oscar Sunday topic. So yeah, pretty cool that we're going to get to talk about an Oscar winner next week. Yeah, I knew it was going to happen. I haven't seen any of the other ones, but it just it's just been... it's And Thomas Frenchenberg being up for Best Director is a huge sign. Anytime that happens in the Academy history, always, always the... The film, if they're up for director as a foreign director and their film is up for international, it usually wins. Uh, we've seen this happen happen many times. And Venterberg started the night off like Ooh. like nobody's business. This uh, was the first um, award announced of the night. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean... I think. He, was it? I can't it remember. It was like the third. I think they started with the screenplays. That's right. Then they went Fennel into... went before, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was bizarre, but... But Venterberg talking about his daughter and what this movie means to him and what it means to to her life and the way he the way he talks about his family and the way he talks about Mads is just it's exactly what you want a filmmaker to be and his kind of philosophy on what filmmaking is it's just, I, I just want more from him I want to watch more movies of his I want his future to be like just filled with accolades and success he is so cool. Yeah, I was I was blown away by his honesty and his fearlessness and what he just you know talked about the how hard making this film became. Uh, it made me want to watch the film even more. Oh, dude! And yeah, oh, man. And 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 knowing like I've seen it now and uh, I watched it I watched it a long time ago. Really, now now that I think about it, I had it on our sneak preview top ten of twenty twenty. Yeah. So I watched this before January. You know, before I watched wow. this in twenty twenty. And I, I cannot, I've been waiting to get back to it. And Oscar Sunday is to- totally an excuse to do sometimes do movies I love. And another round is one of those where I, 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 it doesn't really matter if it's nominated. I'm putting, we're putting it on the schedule. And sure enough, it's, it, it did well. It won this. 
I think a lot of people are going to try to go watch it now. I hope so. Which is it, which is like why the Oscars are important. You know, it's this sometimes determines for the Chloe Zhao's, for the Thomas Vinterbergs, what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, if she's not getting all this stuff, she's not going to do Eternals. You know, that this, this shit really, really matters. And for Vinterberg, it could change his whole career. It's going to, for sure. I can see this guy, you know, I can see him picking up a Marvel film at some point. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, now he can, I mean, the hunt is so goddamn good. And I remember that getting kind of a wave back in 2012. And and this one, it's just kind of tenfold. Like he just, anyone I've met that's seen it is just like, yeah, dude, holy shit. Like it's, it's a mind melter. It's one of those just brilliant, brilliant movies that I think everyone who loves movies should, should try to watch. I'm excited. I've heard nothing but great things from you about this for a while now. So I'm psyched. It also has a, I told you this while I was watching it. There's a bit where Sissy Strutt plays yeah. from Jackie Brown, you know, and that attention and that respect for film and for music is like, yeah, I mean, that's how to win me over. Yeah. <laughs> um, adapted screenplay went to the father, mm-hmm. uh, D- Florian Zeller. Great speech. Yeah. Uh, adopted from his pl- adopted adapted from his play and uh that was a, you know i'm glad that film took it that film was so mind-blowing and way too real <laughs> the father i'm glad you fought you got to watch it before the show me too i watched it saturday night and i it, yeah i chose that over stowaway and i'm really <laughs> glad i did yeah and then hearing him talk about anthony hopkins the way i talk about daniel day lewis you know <laughs> just like this guy's the best yeah. how, how can you dispute it you know that kind of attitude and then being able to work with that person, right. For something you did for them. Very cool to see it come full circle. And he's accepting his award. His hair was in the wind blowing. It was great. That was a cool moment. Well, they hear that Anthony Hopkins took a chance on this young filmmaker, this guy who wrote something for him and didn't say that's creepy. Get away from me. He said, let me take a look. Yeah. And now Anthony Hopkins, you know, he wasn't there to accept his award. Apparently once he got vaccinated, he was like, I'm just going to travel. I'm just going to take some time to, go to different islands and hang out and try to just relax. After he won for Silence of the Lambs, he went to maybe two more Oscars and then just stayed in Wales. <laughs> yeah, that's his first nomination was Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. He won. And this, I'm not saying it's going to be his last, but it could be. It could be, depending on like how his career goes the rest of the way. Well, pretty amazing. I didn't expect him to get nominated for the two popes and the father. That's so true. In his later years here, he scored two more nominations and a win. In so, two years. Yeah. In two years. So yeah. I don't think he's done in the slightest. No, I don't think he's done, but maybe we'll see with the Oscars. Yeah. Who knows? He could tack on a couple more like Glenn Close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Original screenplay went to Promising Young Woman. The only award uh, this took home for the night. Yeah. Which actually, this is the first Academy Awards since the 78th Academy Awards, which would be the year Crash one, 2005. The ceremony was in 2006. All the Academy Awards in between them, a film, a singular film has won more than three awards until now. No film here tonight won more than three and it shows. I mean, it shows that the, you said it spreads the wealth. Yeah, I mean, movies get shut out. Movies get one, get two, get three, but not more. <laughs> Nothing won more than three. Correct. I just look. I just saw that yeah. that fact. Uh, I was looking at where it was. It was at Union Station in Los Los Angeles. Uh, this ceremony, and that's why it was kind of like you said, it was in that ballroom type type atmosphere. And then I I just saw right under that this is the first one since 2005. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty amazing. That's cool. I- do you prefer like one film to get a clean sweep or do you prefer when they like kind of spread the wealth? Depends on the year. I think, I think something like last year was rightly so, you know, Parasite winning those massive four awards. Fair enough. You know, totally, totally fine with it. Um, but I do like when 
there is not, I don't like when it's like a participation thing, but I do like when they recognize that there are more than one or two good movies. Right on. But this year has some good stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it's, um, it's interesting that they, you know, didn't go more than four. I wonder if that's going to be, cause it is new, kind of under new management, the yeah. Oscars now. I wonder if that's how they're going to go going forward. Kind of just, uh, kind of pointing out the best of each film. Which is fine. I, I also just don't think there is a parasite here. There's just not, that's, yeah, there true. is just not a movie as dominant. Um, there's not even a, let's see, there's, there's not even a, you know, there's not even a, a spotlight here. You know, there's not a Birdman. There's not a, you know, there's not one that just kind of like, oh yeah, they kind of checked all the boxes. There's a few movies here that I think kind of check all the boxes, but like Chloe Zhao said, a director is a, a jack of all trades and a master of none. I think we have a lot of <laughs> movies here that are kind of like that. What was that Fincher quote? There's a hundred ways to do it. Yeah, I've heard that one a million times. But yeah. there's actually two and one of them's wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's my man. <laughs> uh, that's how you get that's how you get his gold, is is he he's such a perfectionist. Ugh. Yeah. I've heard watching movies with him is the worst because he, he <laughs> Because he'll pick it apart. Even his own movies, he'll be like, oh, you know. Who was it who invited him to movie night? and Brad talked Pitt. To Brad Pitt, yeah. yeah. Brad Pitt said it was like, dude, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> you need to shut up. Because <laughs> he's like, why'd he cut it that way? Why'd he cut it this way? Why'd you do that? What's with that angle? What's with this? That's fucking Why fantastic. this camera, not this camera? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress. Uh, this was the one that I was, you know, most kind of surprised with. I, was, I didn't know where this was going to go. And it went to uh, Yo Jung Yoon for Minari. Yeah. Uh, she had a great speech. She started by hitting on Brad Pitt. Yeah. And being like, you know, fangirling out about Glenn Close. And just, that was cool. Like, you know, she was just happy to be here. And I don't think she thought she was going to win. And she did. And great. I mean, I was really hoping Glenn Close would get that Oscar. But, you know, I can wait. <laughs> and, <laughs> Apparently, Glenn Close can wait, too. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, this is cool, though. This is cool. A natural moment. And I love when she said, uh, I think I'm just a bit luckier than all of you. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. That's a fun way of looking at it. You got, you got a lot of really, really talented women in this group. Some And then uh, Glenn Close, who's just kind of a living legend, you know? Yeah. Uh, like you said, nine nominations. <laughs> But she oozes like a goofy grandma personality. And it's yes. just, I love that. Beautiful. Like I was watching a video uh, she did with Vanity Fair talking about her career. And she talked about, you know, Fatal Attraction, The Big Chill, 101 Dalmatians. And when she got to Guardians of the Galaxy, she said that was the most fun she's ever had because she got to be in a comic book. And she loves comic books. And That's she's cool. like, and I'm like, what the fuck? Who are you? <laughs> Fatal Attraction was fun, but. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. Best Supporting Actor went to Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. We all kind of knew this was coming, but it's, it was so rewarding to see it happen, to see this guy at the beginning of his career take home a statue for playing Fred Hampton. And it was just fantastic. His, his um, speech was a little rambly. I think he was pre-gaming. But, you know, whatever. He's having fun. He's having a good night. And there was this shot later on of him sitting at his table with the Oscar kind of looking back at him. It was just like, whew, kind of haunting. It was awesome. I can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. We go again, man. <laughs> that was really cool. That was really cool. He, he was clearly like in a special space. 
whether he was pre-gaming or not, he, he was in a special zone talking to himself, <laughs> kind of hyping himself up, clearly speaking to to people, like looking like looking kind of through the camera and speaking to people. And it was it was fucking dope. It was fucking cool to see a 31-year-old just look at all those people in that room and be like, you you have to be held accountable. Yeah. We have to do better. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. And he also just, he, he not only, you know, wins the Oscar for this performance as, as Hampton, but he, he then goes on to just give him one of the coolest kind of what I, what I see as kind of like a love letter to him. Uh, talk, speaking about him, this 21 year old who was willing to just do anything to make people's lives easier, free medical care and food and education. The most, you know, the, the things everyone should just have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how simple that is and, and Kaluuya this is the one Oscar that to me at the end of the night like really 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 means something uh Vinterberg the, another round really cool Chloe Zhao really cool but this was like there's something bigger about this one something deeper and then for him him for Kaluuya's career look the fuck out <laughs> yes um in the show, when um, Tyler Perry won the Gene Herschel Humanitarian oh, Award, man, that oh. um, it was it was interesting to see that you know I, I commented to you that it's surprising that there's just a complete lack of empathy in our society. That it's really rare to find people who care about other people, and to see this in Hollywood, you know, like you pointed out, Hollywood's a you know fucking snake pit, but it is there are good people there for sure, and I like to be reminded that there's good people. There were some really good people there tonight. Some really good people won. Some people have, who really do stuff. And Tyler Perry, uh, of course, a filmmaker that you don't have to like or whatever it may be, but the guy obviously is using every ounce of his platform and his power to, to make things better. And when he said that, just please avoid hate. Like, yeah. And, and then he, he not only said, you know, Latino people, black people, white people, police officers, you know, people of authority, teachers, like stop just like going straight to hatred just because that's easy. And that, 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 that's just not going to get you anywhere. And so it was really cool to see those, see people, uh, hold Hollywood accountable. Cause, cause yeah, if, I, if these people in this room put all their shit together, put their minds together, the world could change, you know, the world can really change. And I think there's people in there who realize that for sure, for sure. And like you said, a lot of them won and, commented on that in their speeches and that's mm -hmm. great uh, so the way Soderbergh structured this show uh, was very strange yeah uh, we got the screenplay awards and director out of the way early best picture was the third to last award given yeah and we closed with actress and actor and that was fucking weird yeah Zellweger and Joaquin Phoenix just did not handle any of it very well <laughs> Renee Zellweger just doesn't seem like she handles much well no. And Joaquin is a fucking train wreck trapped in the body of a great actor. So I don't know what the, <laughs> it's just let's go there. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix is just like stoned talking about how he's not good at acting. Like, dude, can you get rid of the bit? Can you stop doing the bit? Yeah. Cause you're incredible. You're awesome. You should have won for the master. You won for Joker and you've been nominated for walk the line. What else? I mean, the guy is gladiator. Yeah. 20 years of her. Oscar Oscar recognition and you're not gonna you're just gonna kind of laugh it off i love i love this guy's craft 
I thought his speech last year was kind of fascinating. Yeah. It went it, it, it went a little long, but I I liked most of what he was saying. This was like, dude, it's like you have no respect for the people that you're when he said they inspire me, mm, I'm not feeling it. Not and Riz Ahmed wasn't feeling it either. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Well just he comes out there really like, I'm supposed to talk about how important it is for an actor to find the character, and I just don't know anything about that. Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Stop it. It's just a bit. It's, he's always like, he's always acting. He's like always on, always. There's like never a moment of just like, dude, just just relax. Be be honest for a minute. <laughs> it feels like he's always, always on. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels that way. You are not wrong. It's, <laughs> I, I still, I still can't believe he got to get back to, you know, being as big as he was after that, whole, you know, stint where he made that fucking documentary where he I'm became a rapper. There, yeah. Like he got to come back from that, win an Oscar, and he's still acting like he's the bad boy in the room. And nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares but him. And yeah. it's it's really annoying. And I would I would like him to just, you know, fucking act his age for once. Yeah. No Ugh. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like look at like look at Brad Pitt, the way he just like solid you know, and I'm not saying you have to carry yourself like Brad Pitt. But just just be professional for like five minutes, you know. I think the world would be a lot better if we all carried ourselves a little bit like Brad Pitt. He knows what he's doing. Uh. <laughs> oh boy, but yeah, he walked out of there, man bun, you know, qua- in a pressed suit, mm-hmm. ready to present. Yeah, and Joaquin just kind he, of he came out and talked about going to the drive-in as a kid to see Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah, Brad Pitt's like, I love movies, and Joaquin's like, What is movie? Yeah. Joaquin like fell out from behind the stage oh, with, and was like, let's wrap this shit up. I got yeah. places to be like, it's like, I, I, I honestly feel like it was Doc Sportella from Inherent Vice just kind of there. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? She's like, oh yeah. He went so method at one point. He can't get out. Yeah. <laughs> He's still Doc. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea for a story. A guy who goes so method, he can't, he can't escape the mindset. Maybe that's what happened to Daniel Day-Lewis. Maybe he's just like, you know, sewing up dresses in London right now. <laughs> Phantom Thread was it. He's yeah. trapped. I have to retire. I simply can't do anything else. I'm not an actor. Uh, I am a dressmaker. But it would be it would be a lot funnier if you were stuck as Daniel Plainview. Oh, my just, God. <laughs> running around Texas, digging up oil fields. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't be thick in front of me, Al. <laughs> just always stuck in that. Rather yeah. that than like being trapped as Bill the Butcher and starting oh, a gang war in New or, York. Or Christy Brown. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> the second someone sees uh, him move his foot, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. He's just always <laughs> breathing heavy. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I love it. God damn. Yeah, but Joaquin, you, you know, a little respect goes a long way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, do you want to do it in traditional, you want to lay out the rest of them traditionally, or in the way that Soderbergh did it? Let's do it traditionally, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because yeah, Soderbergh, yeah. <laughs> cool stuff going on, but overall, it was just kind of kind of sloppy, uh, with which is understandable. <laughs> with the times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like some of the camera work, it was kind of cool, the way they kind of, some of it felt, felt very, well, it was, some of it was forced, but... Then again, what else are they going to do in those some of those scenarios? I thought it was weird how they gave everybody fun facts. 
Like when they were pre- yeah. presenting their names, like this person loved going to the drive-in as a kid. This person loved popcorn. That's all you got, really? Yeah. How fascinating. The, the, Steve, the Steve Yoon thing was cool when he talked about T2. Yeah. That was more That was more him speaking about himself. That makes sense. That was cool, yeah. I, I like that, yeah. But like going into fun facts on like the tech design people who have like, yeah. I hate to say it, but they're just not as interesting as most well, of the people in the room. I just don't care that... I mean, yeah, everyone watches E.T. at some point. So, the, yeah, like you said, the popcorn stuff. Those little, If they were really interesting facts, then maybe I would care more. Like the one guy who said, you know, when he was 12 years old, Citizen Kane was his favorite movie. That's him trying to sound, you know, important in a room full of filmmakers. Trying to act like he's always yeah. been. Well, I was. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's horseshit. No, your favorite movie was fucking Toy Story like the rest of us. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Best Actress went to Frances McDormand for Nomadland, winning her a third Academy Award, Mazel Tov. Yeah. She's now in the Pantheon. She's in the Pantheon of, let's see if we can name them all. You know, you got Catherine Hepburn has four, Meryl Streep has three, Jack Nicholson has three. And then we get into an interesting territory. Ingrid Bergman, Spencer Tracy, and Betty Davis. And now Frances McDormand. That is... uh, Walter Brennan. And Walter Brennan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was going to say, there's one more male that we're missing. That is a pretty damn solid group of uh, performers there. Yeah. Who is your favorite of those? Of the... Just personal. Personally? Got, I mean, for me, I know what mine is. It's Jack. Yeah, yeah. Straight up, it's <laughs> Jack. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's just no... There's there's no taking that away. But but, but Fran, Fran has has entered, yeah, a, a kind, of, kind of pantheon. Um, three wins, Fargo, three billboards, and now this... Three, three quality performances, too. Yeah. And if you look at all three together, you're just like, yeah, she is so good at playing kick-ass women. Yes. She is she is the go-to for playing badass. Yeah. Go-to. And then, you know, in, in real life, or at least at the Oscars, she always looks upset about something. Yeah, she just <laughs> has that, that. That's part of her. She looks like she'd rather be somewhere else all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's part of her charm. That's what I, like one of the things I love about her. And since she was a producer of Nomadland, she did win another Oscar tonight. So yes. she's a four-timer now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking great. And then her, of course, her husband, Mr. Cohen, is there watching her. Uh, you got you got to think he's just like, yeah, we're pretty power. We're pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a pretty cool couple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her acceptance speech was pretty short. It was just like, yep, I have a third Oscar, so I'm a, I'm a go. <laughs> yeah, she howled like a wolf. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, she howled when they got the... She howled uh, as a producer, and then yeah. as an act- actress, she was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. I think she, you know, her acceptance speech was the howl, but she'd already done it, and you can't do a howl twice. You look crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, best actor was the award they ended with, which was weird, especially when we thought... You know, if you're going to end with Best Actor, then it would probably be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. But it wasn't. It was Anthony Hopkins, who was not there. And the ending of the show was pretty anticlimactic, because that was it. And it was just like, all right, everyone pick up a chair on your way out. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as cool as it was to see Anthony Hopkins take home a second Oscar, the way they structured the show was really weird and anticlimactic and really kind of set you up for something it didn't get. Uh, I don't know why Soderbergh did that, but he did. And I guarantee you that's all anyone's going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because uh, we have not been able to hear or read much about people's reaction. But yeah, yeah for sure, that's going to be the thing people are kind of 
hitting on is how rushed the ending was, how the in memoriam thing was happening at 10 o'clock. Yeah, they and we still had to get to three other awards in the in memoriam. They were like zooming through the names. It was like it was so inconsiderate and yeah. it really made the thing look insincere. Where they're just like, all right, let's wrap this up, get this through. All right. Sean Connery gets yeah. a longer pause. All right. Move it along. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was fucked up. It was. It was. Uh, and then that one, they finished with Chadwick, of course, and then it went to commercial. And then you and I were just kind of like, um, what's going on here? What, what exactly is the pace? And. And it's, it's going to be the talking point. It's going to be, why would you build this up to not give Chadwick the win? And it, and it, it, it I think there's going to be some people who are a lot more upset than we are. We were more confused. But some people are going to be fucking pissed about that. Yeah. Because Chadwick, obviously, passing away last year and being into Five Bloods and being the Black Panther, being in Ma Rainey. And then, of course, everybody was, like, talking about get on up in 42 like the guy just probably deserved a statue for his career. And it would have been nice to see that. Um, especially when his, you know, his brother, Daniel Kaluuya was a winner already. It just would have made more sense as a show. And, and I don't think there is anyone who's like Chadwick wasn't good in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was good enough to win the award. Go ahead and give it to him. I, I love Hopkins performance, but they knew he wasn't going to be there. <laughs> Like you said, he hasn't been there for a long time. So if you're gonna if, if you're gonna give it to him, if that's what the the result is from the votes, then you you cannot make that the last. Yeah, you cannot make the last thing. Nomadland has to become the last thing. That announced. was not smart. Yeah. However, I do 100% think Anthony Hopkins deserved this award. I thought his performance in The Father was maybe his best work ever. He's incredible. Yeah. And I'm I'm very happy he won. I just think that the way they structured the show was incredibly insincere to the fan to the people watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Anthony Hopkins, two-time Academy Award winner. Very happy about that. Yeah, it goes from 1991 to 2021. Uh, ha! Crazy, crazy stuff. And of course, Sansa Lambs, not only that, but he was a part of one of the only three movies to be big time, big five winner. And he, he's always going to be a, a huge, huge part of you know Hollywood, Oscar history. And uh, his director knew that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm... I'm concerned that his win and his, you know, deserving of the win is going to be overshadowed by this. It will be. It will be. And he probably know Anthony Hopkins is like in Tahiti, like, fuck. Because <laughs> I've heard that's all he's been doing is just tra- he's like, I'm going to travel now because I haven't been able to for the past year and I'm old. So I want to travel. And apparently that's what he's doing is just going to different exotic places. And yeah, when he gets this news, he's going to be like, ah, like, cool. Yeah, thank you. But. Damn it! I don't want you wouldn't you don't want the backlash of something like that, no. you know. Um, especially when it's just an award, you know. I'm just picturing him using his Oscar to break open coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. He like he's got his lamb's Oscar and his father Oscar, and he's just like smashing them, I, yeah. trying to open these damn. He's coconuts. like putting cigars in the middle of the arms for the art. <laughs> he's using it as like a little little holder. Yeah. <laughs> course man yeah um, the, the sounds of the lamb one is is just spotless <laughs> that one's all clean oh my god this one has no uh there's nothing around it no stigma to it oh man <laughs> it sucks that's the oscars though is you look back in context there's always these little ones where you, you, you just wonder and i think yeah like 10 20 years from now it's just gonna leave a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouth ah sucks and it didn't have to no if you just did the traditional structure this wouldn't have been an issue yeah and you, you gotta think did that happen while the show was going they were like fuck we gotta change the order 
It just seems so odd. Yeah, because the producers know who's winning. They know yeah, what it's going to yeah. be. They know the, yeah. That's why, you know, back in 2006, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Francis Ford Coppola gave Martin Scorsese the Oscar for Best Director because they were his college buddies who all came up together. It, you know, if they the, the producers, the people who do this, they know who, who, what's in the envelopes. So they did this on purpose. Yes. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's ugh, really weird. Really it's, weird. Makes no sense. Don't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> Director Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. Clean sweep of the awards season. She has taken everything. Uh, she had to probably buy a couple shelves for all of her awards she got from this. Holy shit. Yeah, and the the composure. By by the time the Oscars come around, she's so used to winning everything. By the time it comes around, she looked so comfortable. Yeah. And just kind of like, just very comfortable in her own skin. I'm just like, I, I, even if I didn't get recognized for all this stuff, I think people would have found this movie either way. You, yeah. you know, it's one of those kind of special stories. And because you have someone like Frances McDormand attached to it, it, it just, it got the right buzz and carried on. And when you win director, it's a good sign that you're probably going to win best picture. <laughs> well, and you know, you talked about her composure. She did lose her shit when Francis McDormand won. Yeah. That, that was, was funny. Cool. That was funny. It was cool. It was like, she was way more excited yeah. for someone else to win something from her movie than her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And of course, best picture, uh, Nomadland took that one. Yep. Uh, there was no buildup to best picture. Usually they do like a little spotlight on each film. They just kind of shoved this into the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah. I'll never understand why they did that. That's Soderbergh trying to make his mark on the awards or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. Not I'm a not. smart move. No, no. I, 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 I came back from the restroom and I was like, best picture? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, they're doing it now. And they're, oh, but what? They, they just did this. Uh, it, was, it was confusing. Again, like you said, rushed and just kind of happened out of nowhere. All of a sudden, the Nomadland producers are all, uh, including Chloe Zhao and uh, Francis McDormand, are all on stage accepting the biggest award of the night, biggest award of the year. And it's just, just kind of crazy. And Nomadland, I looked right at you. I was like, good movie. Definitely not my favorite and definitely not the best one, but but a good movie. Yeah, it, I, I, I think in one of our episodes in the sneak preview, I think it was sneak preview or Oscar Sunday, I had commented that if they give it to Nomadland, then they're playing it safe. And that's what they did. Last year was, a, you know, a game changer, giving it to Parasite. Now we're, you know, playing it safe, which means next year we're probably getting a game changer again. Yeah. That's how they roll. That's how the Oscars roll. French Dispatch, 94th Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, maybe. Dune. <laughs> Dune, that would be wild. James Bond. <laughs> no time. I would love that. Eternals. <laughs> oh, God, next year's going to be nuts, assuming we get all these movies. I can't wait. <laughs> so that is the Oscars. Um, for any of you... Uh, wondering, uh, we keep a ballot, and the final win was m- was me, sixteen to fifteen. We were neck and neck the whole time. <laughs> Crazy. Last year I barely beat you, and this year you barely beat me. Yeah. So we're one and one. <laughs> we'll keep going until until we drop. That's for sure. <laughs> it was a yeah. I, I give I gave the show kind of a B minus. Yeah. Yeah. By the filmgasm scale, a seven. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that's probably where I'm at as well. I'll need some time to just kind of like hear what other people think too. Yeah. Um. I'm sure there's some people who are going to be very hard on it. And my expectations are so low for award shows that I'm just never that disappointed. I'm, I'm With this show, I'm, I'm grateful for, for them all getting together and doing their thing. I thought Regina King's little opening bit was like incredible. I thought Kaluuya was incredible. I thought 
Vinterberg and Tyler Perry. There were really cool moments. And the and some individuals really stepped up and said something really cool. But yes, as a production, it was fine. It was fine. And without those speeches, it would have just been, you know, very boring. There's just not a lot going on in between. Lil Rel Howery was trying his hardest, mm. but it just none of that stuff hit for me. They all, but th- that stuff never hits. Yeah, and they no, always you're right. That's do it. it. That's the expectations. So yeah. My expectations are low because they do cheesy shit like that. It, it was cool to see him and him and Daniel Kaluuya because they were in Get Out together, the TSA moment. But that, it wasn't worth all that. Now it's I, considering they stripped it to its bare bones. I can't believe that there was still so much it could have taken out. Yeah. That's ridiculous to me. Like they, they can't do this. Right. They can't just do the goddamn awards and just cut the cutesy shit. Yeah. Like the only people watching this are film fans who just want to know what won. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, and I've heard, I've heard some of my favorite podcasters say this and I've always thought, I've always thought this since I was a child and I would catch some of the Oscars. It's like, why isn't there just more montages? Yes. Why are there not montages of the best picture of, of this and that? And, like, why are we not seeing clip after clip after clip representing the movies that we love from the past year? Rather, we get this weird moment where Andre Day is like, Purple Rain is a great song, so it probably wasn't up because the Oscars suck. You know, and you're like, this is weird. And they cut that out, too. Yeah, yeah, and they also <laughs> cut out Glenn Close apparently saying the F word. So, yeah, it was like, that whole bit was like funny but cheesy and weird and took me out of it. And I just, I just want to see and hear about movies. Is that too much to ask for three hours, you know? For the fucking Oscars? <laughs> no, it shouldn't be. <laughs> God. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, montages need to be in play because that's the most effective way to get someone just excited about seeing something or revisiting something and appreciating something. Yeah, I've all, those have always been my favorite parts when they show the kind of, you know, the clips and... Oh, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it either. So if you could choose a person... To kind of not not just like produce or direct or whatever like Soderbergh, but someone to kind of take control of the Oscar show. Someone who this is what they do each year. Is there someone on your mind that 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 like could do this? That could create kind of a, a actual cultural event each year. Yeah, I think there is. I think I honestly, and you might be surprised at this, and this, you might want to think this through. I don't know. I haven't thought this through, but I think Spike Lee could do it. Well, yeah, 100%. I would love to see that. Wouldn't it be great if we just got some of some of the main key players in Hollywood that are like in their 50s and 60s? Tarantino, maybe. Spike Lee. Bong Joon-ho. You guys do it. <laughs> you guys figure out what's the most effective way to get people excited about movies because that's what the show is about. Yeah. Is to market, represent, and highlight movies. <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's a pretty easy thing to pull off. I think that you know, inevitably, the Oscars always just end up, you know, up, up its own ass. It just, it yep. happens. Yep. Because it's ultimately, you know, one giant Hollywood stroke fest. We know that. Yeah. And they tried not to be this time, and they couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah! <laughs> but here we are. The Oscars are done. They're done. We're on to a new season. And this season will be a lot different because it's already almost May. Yeah. And so now we have May, June, July, August. September. So does that mean only, like... May, like, that's the start of Oscar season? Now? I hope so. I personally hope so. I hope it's, uh, I don't know the exact date, but I hope it's just, let's get back on track. Let's move the Oscars back to early February, mid-February, so that we can just call it 2021, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Eventually, you got to get back on track so that the, the schedule isn't all weird. Because this year, people just didn't know exactly what was going on. Uh, you can't really blame them. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I hope the 94th Academy Awards are... I hope they're in February. And I hope they're... Um, yeah, just a little bit more controlled. Hostless, <laughs> streamlined, full of montages. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of montages. Yeah, because yeah, we got all those movies we mentioned earlier. I had... I, it just got announced that Paul Thomas Anderson's movie is going to be coming out nationwide on fucking Christmas Day. Ooh. Oh, boy. <laughs> you think he'll, maybe he'll be the one to beat for Best Picture next year. That'd be nice. Well, yeah, he'll be competing. You know, uh, it's been a, been a minute since Phantom Thread, so he'll be finally competing again. Same shit they have with Fincher. You know, it's, there's just these gaps, these year, years and years of, of time. So when they come around, it's very special. Yeah, I think this year's going to be awesome, I think. It's going to be an Anderson battle. PTA it versus could, West. It could, it could, it could. <laughs> it very well could be. And you know, and then and then you got the key players of this Academy Awards, Chloe Zhao, doing MCU stuff. So very yeah. cool, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I have are so uh, aware of like what this show is and how it is. Like you said, it's kind of Hollywood just stroking itself. We we do appreciate some of the stuff that happened tonight. We really do. And we, we looked at each other a couple times like, that was fucking cool. Yeah. You know, as a movie fan. Like, Kaluuya has a fucking Oscar. <laughs> My guy, Kaluuya. Like, that. that's so cool. That guy has entered, entered a place, and it's just like, fuck you. Like, I got that shit, you know? And I, I hope Lakeith's next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he will be. He will, man. That was the first of many, I think. Yeah. yeah. 20, 29 years old and 31 years old, those two guys. The cool thing is, like... Crazy. In this, award, you know, in this show, we see so many people who are at the beginning yeah. of a promising career. Oh, know? yeah, dude. Emerald Fennell and Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Two female filmmakers who are just ready to take off. Yeah. On the acting side, you know, Riz, Riz Ahmed, Andre Day, Vanessa Kirby, mm-hmm. Dana Kaluuya, like Leslie Odom Jr., Lakeith Stanfield. Paul Racy. No yeah. one's ever heard of this guy, and he's just... Ugh. Maria Baklava, Baklava. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, but uh, who messed uh, uh, who messed it up tonight though? Who was it? Renee Zellweger. No, no, no. Somebody supporting. Who did supporting? Who Brad won? Pitt. It was Brad Pitt. Brad yeah. Pitt said it kind of weird. He called her kind of like that. Yeah. But, it's Bakalova, I think. Bakalova, I believe yeah. is how you say it. It's not yeah. Baklava. God damn it. She's she's great. <laughs> what a cool place for her to be, right? She's yeah. like, look at all these motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and Sasha wasn't even there, so she's like, I don't even have my my person to. He was in Australia. Good stuff. Yeah. So overall, you know, okay show. I last year was better. <laughs> yeah. Last year had the, the surprise of Bong going on stage four times and him being like, ha and having the <laughs> statues kiss and like yeah. all of that stuff was so special last year. I love that he can speak English. He just chooses not to. <laughs> yeah. It's just not as fluent as he wants it to be. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We had a blast, as usual. Next week, Caleb and I will be tackling Mortal Kombat in a full, proper episode. We've both seen it. We both loved it. So we wanted to give it its own time to shine, not cram it in between Stowaway and the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. In addition, Ghost Horror Movie Separation comes out in theaters. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse comes out on Prime Video. And the animated family film The Mitchells vs. The Machines comes out on Netflix. So tune in next week to hear our thoughts on at least some of these. Also, check out our Cabin Fever episode on Wednesday's Filmgasm, Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round on Oscar Sunday, and whatever the Giggle Guys got for us on Friday. Have a great week, and keep watching movies.